Welcome back to the G Truth, where we talk about the one only good truth. And I've got to say, it's been a pretty long weekend for me. Uh, it's just not been so great. Um, as you may or may not know, my Chargers, my Los Angeles Chargers, lost against the Patriots on Sunday. And it was a pretty sad, disappointing loss. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to talk about those four games this 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 past weekend really quickly. Uh so I went one and three in my predictions. The only game I got right was the Saints game. And really I would I would I would have been okay with going one and three as long as the Chargers made it past. But they didn't. So I'm not okay with going one and three. Uh really shouldn't happen never again. And you know, I think a lot of it was just kinda just out of the world really. I mean Colts, Chiefs. I had the Colts winning and surprisingly enough, it wasn't Patrick Mahomes who was making plays. It was their, it was really their running game, oddly enough. Um, let me bring up the stats really quickly. They had 180 yards rushing. Damian Williams comes out of nowhere, has 129 yards running. I mean, Mahomes played great, but he didn't have any touchdowns, I'm pretty sure. But even then, they played spectacular, and the Colts just could not get anything going on offense, and the Chiefs got pressure there, and yeah, I mean, Andrew Luck just couldn't do what he normally does, and resulted in a loss for the Chiefs, I mean, not for the Chiefs, for the Colts, it resulted in a loss for the Colts, but overall, it's been a good season for them, uh, win or loss in this scenario, in this case, loss, it was still a good season for them in the Chiefs move on to the championship for the conference. Next up was the Cowboys and Rams. I predicted the, the Cowboys would win. They lost by eight. And to be honest, they did not play their best game. Dak Prescott played average. Ezekiel Elliott played subpar, averaging 2.3 yards per carry uh, on 47 yards running on 20 carries. So that's pretty bad, I would say. And I I would say for the most part, the Cowboys played pretty bad, but only lost by eight points, despite the Rams having 273 yards rushing. And they didn't have a great passing attack, but running the ball-wise, they dominated. And I, and I really thought that that would not be the case. I really thought that uh, the Cowboys would, you know, have some better run defense than they had um, on Saturday against the Rams. And if I look at time possession, yeah, the Rams got 36 minutes, and and uh, the Cowboys got 25 minutes. So when you have that discrepancy there, not 25 minutes, they got 24 minutes, but still, when you have that 12-minute discrepancy, it, it, it really hurts uh, your chances of winning, and that's what happened with the Cowboys. Next was the Chargers and Patriots. I don't really want to talk about this one. It was just a dominant win for the Patriots. Um, I know the score, like the end score, says otherwise. Was the end score showed it was a thirteen point game, but really it felt like a thirty point game. It 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 was really devastating. It was thirty five to seven at at halftime. It was pretty devastating for me as a Chargers fan. Um, yeah, but just like watching the game, th- this game really showed 
and I think previous games also showed this or hinted at this that the short that the Chargers offensive line is not where it needs to be right now. It's not really great. And it's not really average either. It's subpar. And the Patriots did a great job of getting to Phillip Rivers over and over and over again. If I pull up the box score really quickly, but but just off watching the game, he got pressured consistently. They were rushing like six or five, and they just were able to get through many, many gaps. He got sacked twice, but mainly that was because he let go of the ball quickly. But their rushing attack couldn't get going at all. Melvin Gordon had only 15 yards on nine carries, which goes for 1.7 yards. He got half of those on one run, which is pretty bad. And then on the other hand, the Patriots had you know, a field day running. Tom Brady didn't play bad himself. He played pretty well. But they got 155 yards rushing. They got 129 yards from Sonny Michelle. And the Chargers even just could not get any stops at all. I don't remember them ever really stuffing the run at all throughout the game. The Patriots had a total of, let me see, one punt in the first half. Every single possession in the first half, except aside from that one punt, they, they scored a touchdown on. That is extremely demoralizing and horrible. And 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 what ended up happening was that on that one punt, they punted it, but Desmond King muffed the catch, and New England challenged the the fumble, the muffing, uh, and it ended up being they got the ball back. So it was like really, so so that's so they punted it and then just got the ball back immediately because. Desmond King, the uh, punt returner for the Chargers, fumbled the ball. So it was really like they never punted in the first half. It was just a long throw. Essentially, air quotations around that. Second half, they punted the ball three times, but at the end, did it really matter? No. Didn't really matter at all. I mean, the game was over. So. Uh, it, it, it hurt to watch that as a Chargers fan, but. After not being in the playoffs for a while, it felt pretty good to be there. Next up was the Eagles and Saints. Now, for this one, it, it, it I had the Eagles winning. Actually, no, I didn't. I had the Saints winning, my bad. But I was confident that the Eagles would make it very interesting, and they did. I would say that, even though I picked the Saints, I would say that the Eagles, if Alshon Jeffrey could catch that wide-open ball deep in Saints territory I would say the Eagles would win that game I I, I think that they would and I think that they go on to win, win the Super Bowl if they were to win that game but he dropped it got tipped Marshall Lattimore I believe or or um, Marcus Williams one of them picked the ball off and that was it but I think that the Eagles would have won it if Austin Jeffrey made that catch but News is from Doug Peterson that they're going to roll forward with Carson Wentz uh, going forward, and I don't blame him. I mean, he's their guy. He's young. He's a lot more uh, financially safe for them. 
young he's younger so they can ride with him a lot longer. Um but I think that it was still a good game for Nick Foles. No, uh this doesn't really tarnish anything about his career and what he's done previously last year. It it just it, it just wasn't meant to be, I guess. But Saints move on to the NSC Conference Championship and tomorrow I believe I will be talking about my predictions for those games. But today I want to not talk about football for once. I want to move on to more of basketball. And tomorrow I'll also give my thoughts for who should be in the All-Star game and my mid-season, well, kind of mid-season um, thoughts on like the awards, like Rookie of the Year, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, all that stuff. All right, so I want to start off with the Warriors. So the Warriors uh, last night got their win against the Nuggets, and it was in really spectacular fashion. I mean, I forgot how much they won by, but but yeah, yeah, they won by thirty-one points. That really was more of a statement win, I believe. That that they're the team to beat in the whole league. Y- yes, I realized that they lost against. The Raptors twice, but I mean, really, the Warriors. Are, are you are you really gonna doubt the Warriors? Um, they play. I mean, just the way that they won, winning by thirty one points, putting up fifty one points in the first quarter, the highest that's ever been in the league history. What was insane? They scored hundred forty two points on the night. Curry played crazy, Durant played crazy, Clay Thompson played crazy. We finally saw what it looked like when all three stars, and I'm going to exclude Jaron from that because he's not really a, a quote-unquote quote unquote star. I mean, you can argue that, but he's not a scorer, which is what I'm more looking at. But this is the first time I've seen those three star scorers, I'm going to say that, just to keep myself safe on that. This is the first thing that we've seen the three of them all be on fire. If and efficiently too. If efficiently too. The the Nuggets headed into this game eighteen eighteen and three at home, previously beating the Warriors on a I don't want to say a miracle, but last second shot uh shot block on Damon Jones by I believe his name's uh if you can find it. Juan Hernan Gomez. Yeah, that's his name. And it was game-winning, and it was crazy. Uh, But then the Warriors came back here in Denver and really just made a statement and saying, we're the true number one seed, and no one else is really better than us. And yes, I know that they've had bad losses against the Rockets and Raptors and tons of other teams. But really, this is them getting into the groove, and it comes at the perfect time with... Boogie going to be coming back in two days on the on January 18th against the Clippers. And it really just sits well for them. Curry had 31 points. Clay had 31 points as well. Durant had 27. They were all passing the ball around pretty well. Kevin Looney was on the glass, which, he, which provided them with a lot of um, extra rebounds. Six offensive rebounds on there. And... Also making sure that, you know, Jokic and Murray didn't have extra opportunities to score. 
and they they scored pretty efficiently. Durant went eleven for fifteen. Curry went for for uh, ten for eighteen, and Clay went three for nineteen. Super efficient. They played. They all played thirty minutes or less, and they scored a whole bunch of points. So I would say that worked out pretty well for them. As we're, as for the Nuggets, I mean, still, th- th- this was a great game for them, even though they lost. I mean, they stuck with the Warriors for, uh, I would say, the first one and a half quarters. Yeah. I, I mean, they made some really, really nice runs in the first half to try to close that gap that that, that they fell behind pretty early. But it was just the Warriors' night. They they were making everything. I mean, you look at Curry's shot making. Oh, my goodness. He was making it from the hash mark way, way beyond. Way beyond the three-point line. It was just... I mean, it's unstoppable. I mean, Jamal Murray had a great first quarter. He had, like, 18 points or something like that. I think he had, like, 15 or 18 points in the first quarter. If not, it went into the second quarter. But he ended the game with 21 points. So he really wasn't much of a factor later on. And really, that's just what happened. And they got killed, really. They got destroyed. Next was the Rockets. Now, for the Rockets, I think it's a bit more interesting. Because I feel really, really conflicted about the Rockets. For the Rockets, uh, I like what they're doing. In the sense that, they're winning, and, and, and I told you uh, earlier on that as soon as they got that three ball to go down and they started doing that, and as soon as James Harden started putting up MVP numbers, they start winning, and not, now they're the fourth seed at 25 and 18. It's still going to be really close between them and all the other teams not named Golden State and Denver uh, within that three to six seed rate, uh, ranking, and maybe even eighth seed. You never know. Um... But I, watching the games of of the Rockets, it's extremely frustrating how how James Harden is able to manipulate the officials into giving him certain calls, um, and some of these phantom calls as well, where he's taking the jump shot and he's not really getting fouled, and it's more of an abuse of the rules, and it's all within the rules. So I mean that works, but it just. It is not fun to watch. I'll put it at that. Um, but as of right now, their 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 shots are falling. Their their three pointers are falling. They're doing they they're doing what they do best, and they're returning to to their identity of layups, dunks, threes, nothing in between. Uh, let Clint Capella get those rebounds, offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds. Let them. And let him get the boards, push uh, the ball up, let James Harden do dribble, 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 step back, step back, you know, because he travels on those, um, and make it, because that's what he does. But I, th- I think that the part that frustrates me the most, but it's also part of their identity, is James Harden is averaging 11.3 free throws per game. That's not made, but attempts. And that's his... Fifth season in a row, averaging over 10 free throw attempts per game. And I think that's a huge portion of why they are winning is because they're getting to the free throw line a whole lot more than they did before this 
or earlier this season, and that three ball was also going in, he's putting ridiculous numbers, assisting, scoring, rebounding, all that stuff. He's been turning the ball over at a high clip, but part of that's because of his usage, as well as the points scored and assists, rebounds. You're going to get all of that if you're being used a lot on the court. But I think overall, it works out for the Rockets because that's their brand of basketball. And I think that for them, it it works it works really really well. On, in like within the regular season, but I think that even though he's doing all of this, putting up all these crazy good numbers, that that you just look at and just surprise and maze. I don't think it'll work playoff time. I just don't because it just hasn't in the past. He's put up similar numbers in the past. Last year, MVP season. And yes, they went to seven against Golden State. But this is a different year. It's going to be a different Golden State team. And Chris Paul is, does not look like he's healthy. It's a different Rockets team as well. Clint Capella is injured for the next four to six weeks, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I don't think that he'll be able to shoulder, lo- shoulder the load in the playoffs. And I think that while Clint Capella is out, it's going to be really difficult for him to to do everything that he really likes doing because he loves driving to the lane, doing that nice little floater lob to Clint Capella for the easy alley-oop dunk, uh, like saying those um, second-chance points from Clint Capella, all that stuff. And also, he doesn't get he won't get the exact same calls in, in the playoffs. And I think that's going to contribute to his downfall, and he's going to go down in history as one of, one of those players who just does crazy, crazy things in the regular season, gets all these records and all that stuff, but isn't able to produce wins and championships in the postseason. So I think that's more of his problem going forward, and he's got to figure out a way to be more consistent with that going going, going, going into the future. Next up is the Los Angeles Lakers, and I'm going to end this on... A nice little rivalry note with the Lakers and Celtics. But the Lakers, I mean, they beat the Bulls. But, I mean, it wasn't really an impressive win. It got down to the last few seconds. I mean, they had the win in the bag, but they won by seven. It wasn't really impressive. I mean, if you go look at their uh, past few games, um, they beat the Warriors. But that was with LeBron, and he got injured. And they held their own, which was really impressive. But then ever since then, they've, with LeBron out, they've won four games. And those four games were against the Bulls, Pistons, Mavericks, and Kings. Three of those games were at home, and they beat the Mavericks in Dallas. So... This doesn't really tell me much about the quality of their team. But it it really tells me that they need that superstar. And I think this has to do more with age and experience. Because we know that LeBron has a lot more experience than these young guys. These guys are in their second or third season. Most of them were in their first season. And... They dealt with injuries on and off. They don't really have an identity yet because they're still really new to the league. I, I doubt that Brandon Ingram knows how he fits in with LeBron uh, or how he fits in without LeBron, uh, that being said. 
Same with Lonzo Ball. This is his second year in the season. I doubt he knows how to uh, fit in completely. And same with Josh Hart or Kyle Kuzma. They're all trying to figure out their own identity. Now, losses that are inexcusable are those against the Cavaliers and Knicks. You can't lose those games. They lost against the Cavs at home as well as the Knicks at home. You cannot do that. I, I I would say that it's okay that they lost to the Kings, especially since it was on a buzzer beater. They lost to the Clippers at home. Uh, I mean, but but they share the same home, I guess. So, but still, they lost, and then they lost to the Thunder at home, and then lost to the Knicks at home. They lost to the Timberwolves in Minnesota, in a blowout loss. I thought that the game was gonna be a lot closer, uh, just because the way that Minnesota has been playing, but. I mean, I guess didn't really work out. And then they beat the Mavericks. They beat the Pistons. They lost to the Jazz. And then they lost to the Cavaliers. And then they beat the Bulls. So none of these wins that they've had have been by more than 10 points. They've not been impressive. I mean, the, I mean they beat the Pistons by 13 points, I guess, but... I'm looking at the Western Conference teams, which are going to be their main competition. And they really only beat Mavericks and Kings. Those teams aren't even in the playoffs right now. In the playoff picture. They're in the hunt, but not in the playoff picture. Um, and they've lost two playoff teams. Teams that are, that, that, that are contending for, for playoff spots. And will be throughout for the rest of the season. So I think that this has more to do with age and experience. But then also, it has to do a lot with they don't have any pure shooter. And what I mean by this is you look at shooters like Harden, Clay, Steph, maybe Kemba, you can kind of put him there, Devin Booker, Paul George, those type of guys, Kevin Durant. There, there's two different shooters, volume shooters, or, or more of knockdown shooters. I'll say, more precision shooters, where, where they'll shoot less shots, less three pointers, but but they'll make a high percentage of them. And whereas for the high volume shooters, shoot a lot of threes, and might not make a whole bunch, but since they shoot a lot, some will go in. So they'll both relatively make uh, a good amount of threes. It's just a matter of it's just a matter of efficiency, and there's a whole other zone that's just specifically for Stephen Curry, who I think everyone except for maybe a few people um, who are probably crazy can deem Stephen Curry as the greatest shooter of all time. I mean, just look at the highlights. I mean, it's ridiculous, but. They don't really have a spectacular shooter on that team. Yes, Kyle Kuzma, I I believe, can shoot. He showed that in Summer League, but that Summer League, he showed that in the NBA in his first season. Um, But none of the players are bona fide shooters. And like I said, that has a lot to do with experience and youth because they have not fully developed yet, which is part of the problem with 
well, well, part of the problem that uh, LeBron's now seeing is that he came to an extremely young team that has not been fully developed. So they're still all learning how to play the sport and and get better and better and better at it at a high level. Whereas he's already there. And they're all lagging behind, and I think that's going to cause a lot of um, interest and moves around the trade deadline. And we'll see how that goes. Is it If it's going to be players like Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart, or it's going to be uh, higher-profile guys like Kyle Kuzma and Brandon Ingram. There's no real way of telling, but I, I, if, if I was a GM, I would say... You you gotta keep Kuzma. You gotta keep Lonzo, and you gotta keep Josh Hart. Brandon Ingram is your expendable guy. He just straight does not fit with LeBron. You 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 gotta keep Zubac. Uh, Ivica Zubac. Hopefully I said his name right. But you gotta keep him. You gotta keep your bench players, all of them. Um, the only players that you can move, in my opinion. And get a good value back from him. Would be Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Who I guess is their one shooter. But he's not really a great shooter. I mean he had great shooting. Uh, seasons in the past. With the Pistons. And kind of his first year with the Lakers. But the, this year with LeBron. He's receded. Yeah, or regressed. He hasn't really gotten better. Mainly because he hasn't gotten the ball as much. And kind of. Has. Not played so well, I guess. Um, but him and Brandon Ingram, I think you can trade. And I would say you hold off on trading Lonzo unless you absolutely have to, and he will get you some great player like Anthony Davis. Um, so, so, so those are my thoughts on the Lakers. Next up is the Celtics. Now, the Celtics are kind of tricky because they've been up and down and up and down and up and down for the whole season. They've had great moments. They've had great games where they just blew people out of the water. And then they have games where they lose against teams that they really shouldn't. And let me read off some some games from this whole schedule. And I'm going to go with the more recent games. Uh, just to show you that the trend's been continuing, uh, uh, like the, like the trend from er- earlier this season, because I don't, I don't want to go back to the earlier schedule. All right, let's look at it. All right, all right. Let me start off with their winning streak with their one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight game winning streak. I'm gonna go from there. Alright, they beat the Pelicans. So so this came after losing against the Mavericks. So they beat the Pelicans, they beat the Cavaliers, Timberwolves, Knicks, Bulls, Pelicans, Wizards, Hawks. Great. Problem is all those teams are under five hundred. Not in playoff contention currently, and probably will not be for for the rest of the season. Yes, I'm sorry, Timberwolves fans and Pelicans fans. And uh, I don't need to apologize. Hawks, Wizards, Bulls, Knicks, Cavs fans. I mean, it's a given. And then they go on a three-game losing streak, losing to the Pistons, Suns, and Bucks. 
They lost to the Bucks by 13 points. They lost to the Suns by 8 points. They lost to the Pistons by 9 points. These are games that they should not be losing. The only game that they should have lost out of those three should have been against the Bucks. Yet, they lost all three somehow. I, I don't understand why they lose these, but I have a speculation, and I'll give my reason why. Hornets, 76ers, right, follow right afterwards, and they beat those teams pretty well. Next up, they lose against the Rockets, and that game, James Harden went off, had a crazy game, so I don't really blame him for that. And then they beat the Grizzlies, and then they lose against the Spurs. Ben, nine points in San Antonio. And then they go on a four-game winning streak, beating the Timberwolves, Mavericks, Nets, and Pacers. They beat the Pacers by 27 points. Now, for me, that was an impressive win because the Pacers have, I believe, the second-best defense in the in the NBA. I'm, I'm not sure if that changed with their most recent win against the Suns, where they just blew out the Suns. It was just it was sad to see the score. It was 131 to 97. I mean, that that's a master. That, that that's 34 points right there. My goodness. Jesus Christ. That that's a horrible loss. Um. And after going and beating the Pacers, they lose to the Heat, Orlando Magic, and Brooklyn Nets. All those games away. And I think part of the trend here is that they'll win a lot of games against under 500 teams. Yes, I know that they lost against the Suns. They uh, lost against the Heat and Magic, who I believe are under 500, as well as the Nets, I'm pretty sure, who are also under 500. And they'll beat those teams usually most of the time, and even more so if they play at home. Now, the Suns always give them trouble for whatever reason. I have no idea why. It's just the case. But they'll usually beat these teams at home. And part of it is just that Boston atmosphere. Where, I mean, how can you not play well in Boston? They're 15-5 they're and five at home. But on the way, they're 10-13. and 13, Which is a number that they got to drastically fix if they have any chance... Of winning the playoffs, as we know, playoff series are are uh, best of seven, and with the way it looks right now, they're in the fifth seed. And if that doesn't change, they're going to be playing away, away, home, home, away, home, away, four games away, three games at home, and it would not look so good for them. And I, I really don't know how I feel about the Boston about the Boston Celtics right now. And they just seem way too inconsistent. And I think it's a similar situation uh, going on with them as with the Lakers, where they have an extremely young core with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, uh, and some of like, the backups, uh, like Samuel Ojale. Marcus Smart is relatively young. I mean, Kyrie Irving, crying out loud, is also relatively young. Uh, Gordon Hayward's relatively young. Al Horford's a bit older, I'm pretty sure. Um, same with Marcus Morris. I think I think that's him on the team, not Marquise. Yeah. Um, but none of them have any real 
playoff, well, deep into the playoffs uh, experience like Kyrie has. And when you see these inconsistencies, part of it's Kyrie's not there because he's injured and making sure that he's healthy and all good for the playoff run that, that they hope to make. And also just Jason Tatum, I believe, even though he's great, hasn't gone back to his full playoff mode form where he just went off. And same with Jalen Brown. He's been having a relatively down year. But both of them have seen their usage rate and touches drop. And with that comes a drop in their amount of points and field goal percentage and all that stuff. And all that has to do with the integration of Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward back into the lineup. And it's a good problem for for them to have to have that many good players. But when it comes to this, where they're just extremely inconsistent, losing to bad teams and somehow blowing out good teams, it's it's nice for the for the regular season, but it's not a great way to go into the playoffs. They have a matchup against the Raptors at home coming up. Uh, tonight at 5pm on ESPN and it should be a good game I hope but I'm not sure and I cannot signal it as a win for, for the Boston Celtics and I'd rather signal it a win for the Raptors even if Kawhi Leonard does not play and even if Kyrie does play just because of the inter- uh, the inconsistencies of the Boston Celtics with their bench and role players and really just kind of like the lack of chemistry I see in all of them with Kyrie Irving uh after a bad loss he said the young guys don't know what it takes to be a championship level team what it takes every day and I think and if they think it is hard now what do they think it will be like when we're trying to get to the finals he continued with there were no expectations last year which is true Everyone played free and easy, so loose and just kind of balled out. Everyone surpassed whatever they expected for themselves. Like Jason Tatum wasn't in the conversation for Rookie of the Year. Started getting into the conversation late in the year, even though it was really a two-man race between Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell. He entered the conversation mainly because of his playoff uh, performances. And same with Terry Rozier. No one really knew of him too much, but then as soon as he went off, it was all Scary Terry. And Kyrie continues, this year, we all have high expectations. It's true. A lot of people predicted them early on to be able to go to the finals and really uh, battle it out against the Warriors because they, on paper, match up really, really well against them. Are able to switch out everything, uh, can shoot, clutch, all that stuff. He continues saying, the players, the coaches, everyone, and that's good. But we aren't doing it yet. He ended with, we can get there. We've got to be better. I've got to be better. We need to win these games on the road. That's on me as a leader. I need to be a better leader and to help us get there. And I think that right there, it's good that he came out and said that. And it can work well. It can work for them and against them. And I think that it's done a bit of both. With Jalen Brown, that there's numerous reports showing that or exposing that 
maybe Jalen Brown is not so happy with Kyrie Irving making those those comments and taking a bit more personally. Other players like Jason Tatum, uh, Terry Rozier are taking that to heart. Uh, not in an emotional way, but in a way of saying, yeah, I, I got to play better too. And I think, and, and, and I get what Kyrie's trying to say. He's saying that you guys got to work harder than you think that 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 you will in order to get to where you want to be. You got to work 10 times harder than the person uh, who, you, who you're playing against so that you can beat them. And and it and it is a grind. It it will wear your body out, but it's worth it. it it's worth it to try to ultimately win. Um, and and right now he's saying all, all that there's all this pressure on you guys to to do really well. There's pressure on me as well to do really really well. And 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 we gotta be held to those standards. We gotta hold ourselves to, this, to that standard. And so I think in that moment it's all. Him being accountable, uh, understanding what he has to do as a leader of that team, um, as well as what what he wants to do in the future. And I believe that in the end, he does have a lot of hope that that they'll be able to get there and succeed and eventually get to the finals. But they got to be a lot more consistent. And once again, he's accountable, but I think he he's holding the younger guys to a higher standard than they may be holding themselves, saying, you guys need to play extremely well every single night, not some nights, every single night. And yeah, I, I, I just think that and I, and I agree with him with Jason Tatum. He hasn't been playing so well. Uh, Scary Terry, Terry Rozier, has been playing decently, but not so great. Al Horford's been injured up and down. Uh, Gordon Hayward had that amazing, like, 30-plus point outburst. I forgot against who, but it was it was a great game to watch just to see him, you know, play well. Uh, throughout the whole game and in the clutch as well, but he went back to his his recovering self, where he scored like maybe like fifteen, sixteen points, I believe. Uh, every single game, maybe less, maybe a bit more, but I think overall, injuries have hurt them. Similar to the Lakers, they just don't have that experience as much to understand what they have to do. And I think that they got to figure it out quick. Otherwise, they can see themselves slide down the Eastern Conference standings really quickly. I don't think it will happen, them sliding down the Eastern Conference standings, but I think that they're in the danger zone. And and I think that they got to figure out what works to figure out how they can start winning on the road more because they're a good home team and every single team um from 
the first seed to the fifth seed, which is the Boston Celtics, are a good home team, haven't had more than five losses at home. But all of them, except for the four seed, Philadelphia, and the Celtics, have a winning record on the road also. The the 76ers and the Celtics have losing records on the road, and I think that will really hurt them in, in the long run if they aren't able to get things together because they're because they have the capability to be a great offensive team and a great defensive team. But they got to put that together in the same game, not in separate games, but in the same game, so that they can win more and more and more. And I think that's the problem with them. They don't do that. Anyways, thank you for listening to the G-Truth. I will be on once again tomorrow, and it should be fun. Um, I'll be giving my predictions for this upcoming uh, weekend in the NFL, the conference championships, who I think should go into the All-Star game, my thoughts on the midseason awards, all that stuff. Anyways, this is the G-Truth, and this is the G-Truth out. Peace.